Welcome to the InvestWell Show. I'm your host, Michael Wall. Today, I want to talk about something that's really important. If you got investments in the market in any way, shape, or form, you want to dial into this show. We're going to be talking about the idea of, and really the question of whether or not the markets are headed for another major crash. This is a question I think that are on a lot of people's minds right now today. They're asking this question. You know, in fact, the day that I'm shooting this, the Dow is down about 600 points. Uh, May 13th, the day I'm shooting this, right at about 11 o'clock. And I wanted to share this thought with you because I believe this is so important. There are a few things that you can do that you, in my opinion, need to be doing to help protect yourself. So we're going to talk about that on this journey. You've worked long and hard for what you have. The last thing you want to do is just kind of, you know, hang in there and hope it all works out. Very important. Well, before we jump into the show, I always like to take a minute and say thank you to the sponsors of our show, which is Wall Private Wealth, U.S. Private Wealth, Wall Lehman. These are all companies. Many of you know it feels a little self-serving. It's really not. We've been helping families for over almost 20 years now protect, grow, reduce taxes on their wealth, and helping them with business coaching and consulting, succession planning, and uh, motivational speaking, things like that, right? So you got questions about your wealth. You got questions on how to better protect grow, reduce taxes, or diversify your risk, head over to leanonthewall.com. I say that it's not self-serving. And the reason that I say it that way is not only because we have a good team over there, but it really gives, I believe, a lot of credence to the reality of why when we do this show, we do it, right? I've had a lot of experience in this space. And uh, so we want to share that with you to help you make better decisions along the way. You know, when we take a look at markets, one of the things that we're seeing are uh, a lot of rise over the last year, year and a half. And a lot of that is attributed directly to, quite honestly, just the money being pumped into the system. You know, we know that there's been stimulus bills and money's being sent out and all kinds of things that have been sent into the system. And when we take a look at that, the question is, is this real growth? That's really the question. And I think a good way to think about this is imagine if you're a parent, maybe you are a parent, and you're like, I, I am a parent, I don't have to imagine. So imagine you're a parent, and you have a child, and that child says, I would like to start a business. So they start a business. And in the first year of that child's business, it doesn't do real well. In fact, it loses money. And then all of a sudden, that child comes to you and says, listen, I am having some problems uh, I believe this business is where I'm supposed to be. I'm having trouble, though, making money. I'm having tr- trouble making a profit. I need your help. Would you guys mind supporting uh, this business financially? So you say, you know what? Yeah, I'll do that. I'll, I'll give you a loan. Uh, I'm not just going to give you money, but I'll give you a loan. And so you give your child a loan for their company. Now, it just so happens the second year, which is the same year that you gave the child the loan, that business ended up making a profit. You're like, and, and everybody's happy about that, right? So you're feeling good about it. Your child's feeling good about it. Everybody's feeling good about it. Year three, you move in and they say, um, uh, hey, mom and dad, I actually need a little bit more money. Can I get another loan? And so you're like, well, you're a little reluctant this time because you're like, geez, I just gave them money last year. <laughs> they should be hopefully learning and growing, right? I helped them through some challenging times, but you love your child okay, here's some additional money. So year two, two, year year three, now you give them some additional money. They make a profit. You're happy. They're happy. Everybody wins. Year four, they come back to you and they say, um, you know, it's it's April in, in, in the year and it's a little bit of a challenging year. I need some money. And you're like, wait, time out. This is the third year now that you've come to me in a row asking for money. 
Um, what happened? Let's let's really sit down and look at the numbers and, and and understand what happened with the money, the loans, really that I gave you in year two and year three in your business. Can we sit down and kind of talk about where you put that money? What did it do? Did it really fuel the economy um, or, or the, your company, should I say, or was it just not managed as well as it should be? So you sit down and you take a look at the business. And you find out that that money hasn't been used really that wisely. You also find out that that business that your child has, unfortunately, has gotten used to living off of the loans that you've been giving them, expecting and planning for the reality that you're going to continue to give them loans. And so you make the decision that you're not going to give them loans anymore because they have not been responsible with the monies that you gave them. They haven't really used it to grow their business. They've just used it to spend, and maybe they took a trip to Aspen and skied with their family, or they went out out wet, uh, you know, out to the ocean or all bought a new car. And you're like, well, these aren't really things that are useful for helping you grow your business. Why should I be called on to give you a loan if you're going to use this money just to expand your day-to-day expenditures and lifestyle? That doesn't make any sense. And it's not a good decision, business decision, so I'm not going to do it. Well, now you're left with a decision emotionally to not fund your child, but you make that decision. And then ultimately year five, year six, and year seven, you see your child's business go under and fail. You may say, well, Mike, that's an interesting story. I mean, that just makes logical sense to me. Why would I continue to fund my child's business if they're not putting it back into their business and really doing a good job of being efficient? We'll call it the bean counters, right? And understanding where is that money going? To me, that's just making a good decision. It's just what you would do, right? I mean, at a very simple level, if you gave your child 20 bucks and they went down to the store and they bought a bunch of Uh, you know, a big pack of gum or a bunch of gummies or a bunch of Reese's Pieces or whatever it is, and they came back, and that's what they did at 20 bucks. And every time you gave them 20 bucks, they went down and did that. At some point in time, you say, wait, time out. This is not a good use of you spending this $20. Well, what's happened uh, with the economy, folks, is this. The government has been printing a bunch of money. Actually, the Fed, really, truth be told, has been printing a lot of money. Now, you may not know that the Federal Reserve... You've heard me say it before on this show, is not part, I'll say that again, the Federal Reserve is not part of the federal government. It is a private company that is printing and loaning money to the U.S. economy. This private company has never been audited. There's no regulation currently around what they do with the monetary issues and vehicles that they have. So they are printing money and loaning it to the U.S. economy. By the way, all you have to do is pull out any dollar bill or um, $100 bill or $5 bill or $20 bill or $10 bill out of your pocket. And on every single one, what it says is it says a Federal Reserve note. What is a note? I'm so glad you asked. A note is a loan. Simple terms. A note is a loan. There you have it. The Federal Reserve is now loaning money to the U.S. economy via pumping money into the U.S. economy through buying, typically, treasuries. That's typically how they put money in the economy. 
Now, why is that important in relation to the markets crashing or not crashing? Because when we think about the U.S. economy, if you can think about it as a business, as a company, which is really that's what it's made up of. That's where the GDP comes from. Gross domestic product is made up of and created from the idea of all of these companies and what they produce and what we as people produce as a country. That's where the GDP, the gross domestic product number comes from each and every year. And there's lots of factors that are involved in that. But a 30,000 foot view, that's really where it comes from. So we have to ask ourselves the question, how are these companies doing? How much debt do many of these companies have on the system? And oh, by the way, the overall economy in general, what has been pushing it and propping it up over the last year, year and a half, two years? Well, we know that there's been a lot of stimulus money because of COVID. Uh, Businesses have been shut down. They've been forced to close. 25% of all restaurants in the entire country will never reopen their doors. And then we're in a place where we say, okay, Now there's money being pumped into the economy via stimulus checks and all kinds of other things, PPP loans and all of these things going into the economy to help sustain companies, businesses, people, individuals, et cetera. And that can be a serious recipe for disaster, especially if those folks that when they got that money spent it on their Aspen vacation or a new car or a new pair of shoes. So here's my question. How many of you honestly believe, by show of hands, I can't see your hand, but we'll pretend that I can. How many of you honestly believe that people that received the stimulus checks, the $1,200 checks, actually spent that money or saved that money for their future? Or did they spend that money on something that they just wanted in the moment? I got to have the new iPhone. I got to have a new pair of sneakers. I got to take a vacation. I deserve it. Heck, I've been through COVID. We've been locked down. I deserve a vacation. So did they buy what they need or what they wanted? Did they invest in what they needed or what they wanted? And I think we can all safely answer the question. And the answer is, is that most folks spent that money on what they wanted in the moment, which means that money was gone. Now, how do we know that that money was spent? The reason that we know that the money was spent is because we saw an uptick in many ways in the economy. When businesses sell more product, they sell product because people are buying them. And people are buying them because they have the money to buy them. So yes, did the stimulus really affect the economy in the short term? The answer is it did. But the question really remains is what does that do with the underpinning stability and structure of the overall U.S. economy and the, and, and the business economy and things like that as a whole. And I think that's one thing right now where we feel is very, very challenged. Why is it challenged? Well, it's challenged because businesses have been propped up, right? From all of the stimulus money we just talked about. I gave the example of loaning money to your child. And now we know we're in a place where people are saying, okay, what are we going to do now to continue to grow our company and our business? Does that mean they're just going to go away? No. But there is a challenge because there is not as much of a pro-business environment in the current administration. There's conversation of increasing taxes, not only on capital gains, potentially ordinary income, business taxes. All of these are on on the table. 
All of these cards are on the table. And when you talk about raising taxes in a business environment and from an income environment, what that does is that it de-incentivizes people's desire to grow. Think about it. I saw a report that came out one time that said 82% potentially could be the amount taxed for someone that lives in New York if these federal rates take place with local rates. Think about that for a minute. For every $100 that someone makes, $82 out of $100 goes in taxes. Now, that doesn't include the fact that we pay money in taxes on gas, on cell phone bills, on clothing in some states, and on pretty much everything else that we purchase, we pay tax. This is a serious problem. We live, in a, we live in an economy right now where the government right now is not as pro-business as it could be. You know, there's a lot of conversation coming out from the administration saying, hey, we created more jobs in this short period of time than has ever happened in history. Well, the reality of it is that's pretty easy to do when the government has shut down businesses, right? So all the businesses are shut down, nobody's working, and now all of a sudden they say, hey, you can open back up and everybody comes back and gets a job and you call that a new job. Think about that for a minute. That doesn't make any sense at all. So do I believe that the markets are headed for a crash? Well, we know that the Dow right now is still floating around all-time highs. We know that the S&P is the same. I typically use the S&P as a, as a litmus test a little bit more on the overall U.S. economy than I do the Dow. The reason is, is because the S&P 500 consists of 500 companies. The Dow consists of 30. And I think that's important when we take a look at what's happening overall. And I do believe that we have to ask ourselves the question of if the market has really been on a, we'll call it a bull run since the beginning of 2009, what are the chances the market will continue to go up? I think this is something that we really got to evaluate. And you really got to ask yourself the question of what am I doing? What are you doing to help protect your wealth? I do believe we are close. I do believe that we are going to see a pullback significant. I do believe we're going to see a correction or a crash, whatever you want to call it. You know, the financial people on Wall Street will call it, well, we, we, we think it's probably normal to see a 5 to 10, maybe 15, 20% pullback. That's, that's normal. Or, well, we, we, we think we're going to see a 15 to 20% correction in the markets. Um, why do they use that terminology? Instead of just saying the market's going to fall pretty, pretty, pretty significantly and you're going to lose a lot of money. Well, that doesn't sound good. That's not newsworthy. You can't sell a lot of stuff with that kind of conversation. But that's exactly what happens. Now, I don't know if the market's going to crash as much as it did in 2008. I actually believe it potentially when the crash happens will be greater because of all the quantitative easing that we've had along the way. And all of the market, um, you know, that we'll call it the corporate buybacks, so executives buying back their own stock. Remember, interest rates are still at all-time lows, right? What that means is people can borrow money cheaply, buy their own stock, push the price, and then liquidate the price of their sale, their share price later, right? That's really what's happening. It's almost like the pump and dump kind of thing, except this is legal. <laughs> it's crazy. So what do you need to do? Well, what you need to do is you need to first evaluate how much risk you actually have. Now, when I say risk, a lot of times people think about the old historic thought process of risk, you know, how many bonds or equities or things like that, fixed income, what do you have in your portfolio? And I'm not referring to that 
in this situation. What I'm referring to is when I talk about risk, I'm talking about how much of your money is literally in a place where you could lose money if the markets go down. So let me help you with an easy answer to this. If you have money that's in the stock market and that money in the stock market is invested in either stocks, bonds, mutual funds, ETFs, or anything that is in an actively traded type account where it's in the market, you have monies that have the ability to lose money if the market goes down. So that's why the first thing you need to do is evaluate how much risk you currently have, especially if you are what we call five to 10 years from retirement. You're in the financial red zone, right? So if you're in the financial red zone, five to 10 years from retirement, you need to evaluate how much risk that you have. And that is how much money you could potentially lose on the money that's currently invested. That's number one, how much risk. Number two, what opportunities in your portfolio are in your investments right now are invested not in the market? Are you open to those kinds of investments? Are you open to those kinds of products? Are you open to those kinds of things? I think that's a, a big question you're going to have to ask yourself in that process. You know, a lot of people poo-poo in a lot of ways on insurance products, but did you know that some insurance products that some insurance companies fared very, very, very well through um, serious recessionary times? There were people that had certain products and investments and structures that in 2008, some of those products literally lost nothing. Now, they may not have made as much as the stock market made over time, or they may not have made as much as the stock market did in certain years, but it can bring a lot of comfort to investors to know that a certain portion of their investments are structured in such a way that if the market crashes, they can't lose money. Now, what are they giving up in order to get that, right? Because you can't have your cake and eat it too. So what they're giving up is the opportunity for gain. But would you give up the opportunity to make double-digit returns year, year over year, which hasn't happened for some of you anyways? Would you give that opportunity up to know that when the market goes down, you could protect your assets and make singles and doubles in your returns instead? There's a lot of studies on this. I've done some research and I've had certain meetings as well with um, many, many folks uh, over the years talking about de-risking portfolios. This is very important. So number two, are you open to off-market products, investments, structures, and things? And what do you currently have in your portfolio now? Number three, you got to focus on taxes. You got to focus on taxes. We just had a conversation with uh, someone that we were interacting with and their question, their big question was, my number one concern is taxes. Why is that? Think about this for a minute. If you have $4 million in an IRA account, now you might have other investments and other trust accounts and whatever it may be, but let's just say you had $4 million in an IRA account. Do you know that that IRA account is going to be taxed at ordinary income rates? Do you also know that there's nothing that will literally, nothing, literally nothing that will be taxed higher than that account? Why? Because ordinary income is the highest taxed rate that you can pay. So if you have $4 million in an account right now, I think a better way to look at that is you don't have $4 million in an account right now. You have closer to $2.8 million. And you're like, what are you talking about, Mike? I got $4 million. No, 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 no. The government owns about $1.2 million right now, roughly, and that's at a 30% effective rate of taxes. 
that's their money, that $1.2 million. In other words, as you draw money out, it's going to be taxed. If the tax brackets don't go up, which there's a very high probability that they will, if the tax brackets don't go up, a lot of that money still is taxed. If the tax brackets do go up, more of that money will be taxed. So the question is, what are you doing now to proactively reduce your taxes on your investments, not just your income, but on your investments? So those three things you need to evaluate and, and really think through in your current situation. you got to pull your head out of the sand, get away from the noise, and really say, okay, number one, what kind of risk do I currently have? In other words, you could lose money because your money is invested in market-type structures. Number two, am I open to or do I currently own any off-market investment structures, products, etc. And number three, what are you doing to reduce your taxes current and future on your portfolio? These are three questions you got to know the answer to in relation to everything that's happening right now with markets at all-time high, the administration where it is, a lot of the policy that's being proposed, and a lot of this funding and stimulus that's going away. We can't just stimulate the economy forever. At some point in time, just like your son's business or your daughter's business, they got to stand on their own. It's a good thing long term. You're going to have some questions about what to do here. The first thing I'm going to challenge you to do is pick up a copy of my book, okay? Retire Once, Retire Well. I know it's a little bit self-serving. I apologize, but I wrote this from years and years and years of experience in this space, helping families and folks just like you build a plan that was sustainable through any environment. <clears throat> retire Once, Retire Well is 110 pages. It's simple. It's easy. You can get it anywhere books are sold, on Amazon, wherever you like to buy books, or if you want, you can head over to leanonthewall.com and you can buy a copy there. So pick a copy of this up. That's the first thing. You got to educate yourself with simple ideas that can help you improve what you're doing. Retire Once, Retire Well, option one. Option two, I'm going to challenge you if you have more in-depth questions Maybe you have someone helping you with your wealth. Maybe you don't. You're just not sure where to go or what to do. We have a wonderful team over at leanonthewall.com of folks that are professional. They're fiduciaries. They're educated. They know how to effectively help families that are appropriate uh, in, in this process with their wealth. So you got questions on what to do next, head over to leanonthewall.com. These are unprecedented times. we got to be in a place where we take steps maybe that we didn't take before to change things in such a way that we can protect ourselves in ways that we haven't before. So educate yourself, encourage yourself on the journey, reach out, make the effort, and I can promise you that by doing that, you'll be more empowered and feel more confident in your structure. Listen, I know many of you that are watching this have folks, whether it be in your phone, text messages, or emails, social media, LinkedIn, Facebook, etc., that need to hear this message. Why would you want your friends that have investments, maybe playing golf with you or hanging out with you and eating dinner with you, why would you want them to be in a place where they're walking around all worried about their investments and not really sure what to do? Those three things that I gave you as challenges to evaluate, they need to know them as well. So I'm going to challenge you to share this with them, share this show with them. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure you click subscribe and the notification bell so you don't miss the next Invest Well show. And as always, my desire and goal is to challenge you to live on purpose so you can live with purpose and really 
add value to the world coming after you and while you're living this life as well. One last note and one last thought, a little PS kind of on the end here. If you love motivation, if you love challenging and inspiring stories, if you have not yet subscribed to The Michael Wall Show, I want to challenge you to do that. I know many folks listening to this are even on podcast. We have another show called The Michael Wall Show, which is encouraging, uplifting, great guests. We just had a guest with Dr. Gary Vonk. He's a business guy, president of the flagship at Kaiser. Really, really good guy. Had a great story, author, just a lot of experience in the business in private equity space. Had him on talking about some wonderful things. You're not going to want to miss that, as well as many other shows that we've done over the years to help you live on purpose so you can live with purpose. Thanks for dialing in. Thanks for tuning in. We appreciate your viewership and listenership. And as always, if you haven't uh, given your comments and feedbacks, we'd love to hear that as well. Have a great one. We'll talk to you next show. Thank you for listening to the Invest Well Show. Please note that this information shared on the show is not investment advisory advice, and it may not be reflective of your personal situation or the needs that you have. If you have questions specific to your financial situation, please make sure that you reach out to an investment advisor directly or a tax attorney or tax coach or CPA to help you with your personal situation. Any additional questions that you may have, please make sure that you seek out a professional to get the guidance needed for your specific situation. Again, all content and information shared on this show is not to be deemed as specific investment advisory advice.